We're grateful for this uh, wonderful time of worship. Thank, thank you to the praise team. and uh, Appreciate Spectrum coming up this morning to, in a very quick way, get the internet up and running. I guess we're doing okay there for the folks at home. Otherwise, uh, Steve, you may have been speaking to no one. <laughs> but I think... The, uh, I want to speak with you about the path of glory. This is uh, kind of the second wonderful truths. It's about relation. It's about and these things are acceptable if we many is spoken of in scriptures as being various. Uh, Come. So we want to look at these things, and I'm actually this morning going to go back because there's so much with what we covered last week that I would like to uh, address some of those things um, and uh, just make some some comments, uh, some things that uh, I think uh, will be beneficial to your Christian life walk. Uh, so we want to consider this path to glory. So let's begin by by reading the scripture again. If we could start at <clears throat> verse 18 and 18 through 25. For I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the ancient longings of the creation awaits eagerly for the revealing of God's sons, of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not of its own will, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself also will be set free from its slavery to corruption into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. That's you. Dear people, well, we know that the whole creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth together until now. And not only this, but also we ourselves having the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting eagerly for the adoption as sons, the redemption of our body. For in hope we have been saved, but hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one hope for what he sees. But if we hope for what we do not see, with perseverance we wait eagerly for it. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. You can't help but go back to Romans chapter 4 where we see the life of Abraham, the exercise of faith and the necessity of that exercise of faith in the Christian life. Uh, but it declared that Abraham against hope believed in hope. <clears throat> and that's the calling of every believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. We against hope believe in hope. Um, and with that goes the very uh, pertinent and strong lessons that uh, that the sufferings that Christ endured as he went to the cross of Calvary and he suffered there according to the will and plan and purpose of God. 
was the most unjust thing that ever happened on planet Earth. And God worked that, and we sang just and most glorious thing that, that we And that is our God. Against hope to believe that we will uh, struggle with in the Christian life. So uh, let's let's look uh, again at our outline from that we looked at last week. We covered these uh, first number of verses, and um, but we want to learn to boast. That word can be translated rejoice or, or take uh, uh, glory in tribulation. Uh, this is a difficult thing. Uh, it's a difficult thing to consider and think about, but the Apostle Paul doesn't mince any words in regard to the Christian life, in regard to our calling, many things to learn about the proving of your faith, and as it speaks in Romans chapter 5, verse 1, that that, that uh, boasting in tribulation, uh, you know, it's there's the perseverance that is built, and to the proven character of you. And this is precious to God. Uh, the sanctification process, what God is doing, the proving of your faith, that will result in praise and glory and honor at the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's really significant to you, brothers and sisters. It is the most significant thing about why there's significance to the life that God created for you and he created you for. You are called to these things, to the proving uh, of your faith that results in the praise and glory and honor of Jesus Christ because you're proving his good and acceptable will not only by the words that you speak but by the life that you live in light of these things, in light of these trials. So, and then another verse that we looked at and, and need to consider is that I may know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, that you have been called to a fellowship of the sufferings of Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul acknowledges this and he prays that, he might be, that we might be conformed to Christ's death, that we might partake in the fellowship of his sufferings with Rejoicing with boasting, with glory, acknowledging the glory. Uh, so when we boast in tribulation, when we consider and hope in the unseen future glory, uh, these things should should be drawn to our mind. And I believe that as as Christians, as God's people, that we really need to deeply consider things that we sometimes brush aside. Uh, for convenience sake and for those things that are temporal, uh, whereas these things have eternal value in them. Another passage of Scripture <clears throat> is John 15, where Jesus clearly tells his disciples, and it's passed on to you and to me, that if the world hates you, you know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, you the world would love its own, but because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, 
Because of this, the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a slave is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. So uh, Jesus, our Lord Jesus, prepared the, the apostles, the disciples, and has prepared us and has forewarned us with his word and with this word of, of uh, recommendation. And we spoke about last time that he's not only granted unto you to believe, but also to suffer for his name's sake. It's necessary for us to embrace that. It's necessary. It's a harder lesson. It's a harder truth in the Christian life, but it's one that is clearly taught to us and given to us in Scripture. So we're to embrace those things and to keep those things in mind. So the question becomes, how do we prepare for the various trials and persecution? Um, and I would say that uh, in in speaking about these things that I think it's good for us in the United States of America and uh, Grace Bible Church in San Marcos, Texas to realize that that we're not the norm. Uh, in other words, some of the things that uh, that we may suffer in the future as far as persecution and these types of things and seems to be an uprising of of persecution for our in our country that most of the countries in the world have have undergone martyrdom uh, in very difficult uh, times of persecution and trials in the Christian faith where it demanded an absolute determined stand upon the truth of God's word and upon the confession of faith in Jesus Christ um, and so those things may be future for us. And I'm saying this because uh, sometimes I think that that believers think that if we should suffer the kind of persecution that most of the countries in the world have suffered, uh, that we've suddenly entered into the tribulation, and that's not going that's not the case. Um, the tribulation will be a, a different thing in, in regard to the wrath of God. Uh, but persecution is uh, a word that is given to the church, that there will be these things. So how do we prepare for trials and persecution? I just have a couple of uh, points for you here. First, we're to grow in our faith in the Lord our God. Uh, it's so essential for us, and especially in the troubled times that we're looking at in our nation, uh, for us to remember that that God is sovereign, that uh, things that were prophesied in regard to the coming tribulation that's coming upon the earth, the judgment of the nations is has been prophesied, and there's an unfolding of these things, and it's it's so important for us to remember that God He never relinquishes His sovereignty upon the throne. It's, it's never something that, that, that God has done. Uh, he is able to deliver you. Uh, so we think, well, if there's these persecutions, I don't know if I can stand it. Uh, and so how do I prepare for, for trials and, and persecution and, and maybe even martyrdom 
uh, like some believers have been called to. And it's, it's so essential that we understand that God is able to deliver us. He's able, if he calls us to these trials, he's going to empower us to whatever he calls us to. And that, uh, that God is able to see us through uh, whatever testimony that he, he calls us for his will and purposes. He's able to make you stand. And it's not based upon how cowardly or lack of cowardly you are, but it's based upon the power of the sovereign God that calls us to such suffering and such uh, trials and persecution and such hardships for the glory of the name of Jesus Christ. So our, our trust and our hope, our faith, is in the power of God. It's in who he is. Um, so... Uh, being mindful that the times that God has called you to, it's not a mistake, it's not a chance happening. <clears throat> so uh, should we be plunged into uh, severe persecution and hardship, God is able to hold you. And Jesus has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And Jesus has said that... <clears throat> I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth with the gospel. And he, he commissioned us to the preaching of the gospel, to the, the care, holding forth the word of truth in the midst of crooked and perverse generations uh, by the, the power of his authority. And we're able, we're able because he is able to deliver us, he is able to do in and through us what we cannot do for ourselves. So there has to be a transfer of trust from trusting in and hoping that you have the strength to, to trusting in the power and in the authority of Jesus Christ to do in and through you what you cannot do for yourselves. So <clears throat> these are just principles that we looked at from last week in these verses that we just read. But I want to say as well that we, a second point is that we're to convince ourselves that sovereign God says it is necessary. If we look at the verse about the proving of our faith, he's going to prove your faith. He's going to test you, some to greater degrees than others. But in the proving of that faith, in the testing of the character of your person, it says, for a little while, if necessary, it's temporal. It's temporal, and it's something, and, it, and we have to be convinced that God has determined uh, that it's necessary. I was reading uh, a book called Live Not By Lies. It's, it's a quote from Alexander Solzhenitsyn, and there's a series of interviews of those that, were, uh, that underwent severe and serious persecution sometimes of the families of those that were martyred uh, and that took their stand. And the, the overwhelming perspective from these martyrs and these that were persecuted was that they saw it as God's purpose, that they saw purpose behind it. It's not nihilism. It's not chance happenings or circumstances but in the, the providence and the purpose and in the calling of God, 
they were called to, to make that stand. It has to be seen that way. Uh, unless we look at our trials and as, unless we look at those things as something that is meted out to us for a little while as God in heaven, our God and creator, our redeemer, the one who loves us so seriously and so dearly has determined in his mind and in his purposes that this has been given to me. And until we come to that comfort and that assurance and that faith in trusting in the sovereignty of our Lord and God and in the kindness and mercy that he actually expresses in all of these things for a greater glory that we can only imagine and only look at as an unseen and unknown future glory that we only know of it by God's revealed word to us. And the question becomes again back to our faith, do we trust and are we convinced that God is sovereign, that he loves us, and that we can trust him? These are the essential things. They're the essential things that bore those that have gone before us that have been persecuted and some of the martyred <clears throat> carried with them that consistent, unrelenting belief that God knows what he's doing, that he's sovereign and that he ordains these things for these times for something that's greater in the future, that glory and honor and praise at the revelation of Jesus Christ, a future glory that you can believe in it because Jesus, our Lord Jesus, the God that loves us and the God that has expressed such great love for you has told you and his word is good. This has to be the firm foundation for the believer. It has to be your firm foundation. It has to be that decision and that that exercise the work of God and the work of God's spirit within us. It's what the Lord Jesus gave to us, the, the first fruits, the Holy Spirit, to come and indwell us to work these things, these truths into our lives. So convince yourself that God is sovereign. I'm convinced that all that's happening in our nation and our country today that none of it is outside of the sovereign working of God and that he is an absolute just and perfect judge. He's the, he's the only one that is able to, <clears throat> to make the right judgment at the right time <clears throat> and in so doing, mercifully, with the least collateral damage, bring as many of those to salvation as can possibly be brought. And there's going to be in a day and a time when, when that judgment will fall on planet earth and God will, through Jesus Christ, will judge the nations. It's taught in scripture. We know it's going to happen and we can rely and trust upon the fact that God is, is sovereignly sitting upon his throne in heaven. The earth is his footstool. He's God over all flesh and he's able to deliver us. He's able to justly do the right thing at exactly the right time. So convince yourself that God is sovereign, that he never relinquishes his authority despite how 
uh, foul the political uh, temperament of the day is or the events that unfold that God is bringing as the just God of this world all of those things under just judgment at the perfect time with his greatest expression of mercy to mankind. Uh, And there's peace there for us as God's children. And then thirdly, he says in this passage teaches that we're to consider this future glory. There's glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, these sons of God, and that's you, children of God, uh, will appear uh, like him as to who you are. And it's so important for us to embrace what God has called us to. It's so significant that we understand that God has has called you um, to be co-rulers and co-heirs with Jesus Christ. Um, so uh, we want to uh, look at, at some of these things as we did in Scripture uh, last uh, week. Uh, God has purpose for all the things that unfold, um, and we will be tested. It's necessary. Second point here is that our future glory will liberate the creation from the curse. And I just want to make a a couple of points about uh, what we, again, exegeted, we gave exposition to last week. Uh, This future liberation uh, of the planet. Uh, Notice that, that it's the creation that is liberated. It's why we believe in and we hold our view that that the church will be raptured, there will be a tribulation, seven-year period of time, uh, and then following that there will be a, 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 a millennial, a, a thousand-year reign of Christ on the earth. Uh, but this future glory that we're looking for is a, a liberation of um, <clears throat> the creation. It's a liberation of planet earth from the curse that fell on it through Adam. We looked at it last week. We went back to, uh, to Genesis chapter 3 that that curse that fell upon the planet at Adam, it said there's going to be thorns. Uh, the earth is cursed because of you. And that's why it says, you know, it makes the point that uh, it was not uh, its own will. It's not something that the earth did, but but it was what Adam did. And so there's a coordination between uh, the the curse that fell upon planet earth and the fact that the future glory is going to be associated with the redemption of the the children of men with with you and with me okay so um, the millennial kingdom then there's a couple of passages that we looked at now, first of all, 70 weeks have been decreed for your people, speaking to Israel in Daniel chapter 9, for your people in your holy city. Again, it's on planet earth. God's kingdom will come. His will will be done on planet earth to finish the transgression, to make an end of sin, to make atonement for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy place. These things are a future promise that takes place after this last or seven-year period in which God will usher in 
a, an, an end to the effects, the consequences of sin that, that fell on planet Earth, that fell on mankind. Uh, so again, the association from the rebellion of Adam in the Garden of Eden to the future uh, glory that will be brought about in Christ Jesus. Another verse that we would, that we looked at, and the wolf will dwell with the lamb, again, creatures on planet earth, and the leopard will lie down with the young goat, and the calf with the young lion, and the fatling together, and a little boy will lead them, and also the cow and the bear will graze. Now, this is a different world, folks. Their young will lie down together, and the lion will eat the straw like the ox. The nursing child will play by the hole of the cobra, and the weaned child will put his hand on a viper's den. They can't do that today. They will not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, that's Jerusalem, for the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. That's millennial kingdom, planet earth, when Christ reigns on his throne, it's future glory that we as God's people will enjoy as being co-heirs with Jesus Christ. That's awesome. And we need to think about it because we don't think about it enough. But the truth is that there is a future glory that is worthy of any suffering that we as God's people may go through. And we need to be convinced up here. You know, it says to set your mind on the things above, to set your mind on Christ where he's seated at the right hand of the Father in heaven. But he's awaiting a return. He's awaiting the glory of what he accomplished on the cross of Calvary, doing away with our sin. And we're going to know the full expression of that in a future glory. That is in accordance with his word, is accordance with the prophetic word and his truth. It's what our future looks like. And so this process that we're going through by way of persecution is minuscule in light of the glory that we have in Christ Jesus. Okay, so in regard to the millennial kingdom, I just have a couple of points and things that I I want to to make here. Uh, The millennial kingdom, and and I want to give this to you because we don't really have time to to spend the time that I would really like to with it. (laughs) But think about this. The millennial kingdom... In the millennial kingdom, the old earth remains. And I'm going to compare this to the new heavens and the new earth because that's also part of the future glory that we enjoy as believers. <clears throat> but in the millennial kingdom, it's the old earth that remains. It's the lions and the leopards and the bears and, and the cobras and all of these things on planet earth. It's, it's, it's reestablished. It's redeemed. It's brought back to life from <clears throat> the rebellion of mankind. The natural laws continue. Uh, and we remember last week we read from Genesis chapter 8, verse 33, that, um, that the, <coughs> this, there would be the seasons, winter and summer, and <coughs> that uh, the agricultural uh, <coughs> truth, sorry about the voice, folks, There will be uh, seed time and harvest. 
There will be winter and summer. Uh, There will be uh, the sun and the moon. Uh, And this cyclical um, natural laws will be put in place. So the point is that in the millennial kingdom, the natural laws are still going to be in place. There will still be seasons, 12 months in the year. There will still be seed time and harvest. There will still be these things um, that will unfold. And uh, there's a third point that I have. I don't have it in the, in, the, in the PowerPoint, Lori, so I know you're kind of searching for it, but uh, these are just points that I wanted to give to you. Uh, and that is that in the Millennial Kingdom, uh, you know, they, there will still be this consideration of a future glory because of the new heaven and the new earth, um, which will also be without the curse. Uh, but the new heaven and the new earth is, I would encourage you, and I'm, I'm going over these things because I think that believers, we don't really spend a lot of time thinking about heaven and about the aspects of what it is. So I'd like for you to, to think about, okay, what is the millennial kingdom and, and what is uh, going to happen there in, according to, to, to Daniel chapter 9 and according to the things that we read, the prophetic things that we read in Scripture, like in the Isaiah passage. Um, but also there is the new heavens and new earth. After the thousand years, there's an, another rebellion against Christ and his reign. And in that rebellion, there, uh, he speaks a word and we're ushered into the new heavens and the new earth. And uh, There's a new Jerusalem that comes. And uh, so, I mean, how much do we know about this as God's people? Well, we're given certain things in Scripture. And I would like to encourage you to look further into some of those things and make comparisons about, about what this actually looks like because... If we're going to um, consider that those future <clears throat> future glories, then uh, um, and and if we're going to 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 really under persecution uh, consider the value of those present trials not being not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us in this future glory, then we need to at least look at it and and think about and meditate upon uh, the promise of these things and that which is spoken in his word. So the new heavens and new earth will be without the curse. And notice it says in Revelation 1, 21, 1 through 5, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and there is no longer any sea. Okay, that's different, right? So uh, this is going to be a, a different, a new place. Uh, and and let's, let's just look at a few of these things. I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. So that's different. <laughs> so this city comes down out of heaven from God, and that's pretty pretty. Uh, that kind of breaks all the natural laws that you could possibly think of. And it made ready as a bride, adorned for her husband, adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, 
Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men. So it's directly involved with God living with us. Uh, God living with us without the insult and the the, uh, ugliness of sin and all the sorrows and everything that involves those persecutions, right? Uh, When we talk about the persecutions and trials and everything, when we stand for righteousness, when we try to live according to the principles of God and all of those things, there's this kickback from it. And, and that's a fallen world. Um, and so uh, God is going to live in a place where and can only live in a place because of his hatred for sin and all of the destruction that it causes uh, that is without it. it will be, there will be an end to it. Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he will dwell among them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be among them, and he will wipe away every tear. Now, at the Bema Seat of Christ, there's probably going to be a lot of tears. The scripture tells us in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 that there's wood, hay, and stubble that's going to be burned up. Some of our works will, will be burned up because they were done with the wrong motive, <clears throat> or they were... They were um, uh, they will not be eternal and lasting, uh, but others will, and there will be uh, some some sorrow at the bema seat of Christ at His return. But in the new heavens and the new earth, there will be no more tears. There will no longer be any death. There will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain, or the first things that have passed away. These things are going to pass. This future glory involves a removal of all pain, a removal of all uh, sorrow, a removing of all hardship, something that's almost beyond our comprehension, but we need to think about it because it's the future glory that God has prepared for us. It's the future glory that he desires for us, and it's what all of this work is about, even the work that will involve your persecution and suffering. He's laboring and doing and pulling it and bringing about these things for this future glory that will be given. There will be no more mourning or crying. There will be no more pain. The first things have passed away. And he who sits on the throne said, Behold, I'm making all things new. And he said, Listen to this and mark it down. Highlight it in your Bibles. And know for certain. And he said, write for these words are faithful and they're true. So what I want to say about that is that you can bank on these things because Christ said it. And by his integrity, we can know that this future glory that is spoken of in the scripture is very true. And it's worth any hardship that we suffer here. It's worth the, the challenges and the difficulties of walking, of taking up our cross, of following after the Lord Jesus. It's well worth it for you and for me. It's well worth it. It's something that's been given to you as a gift that we have been granted that we may suffer in the name of Jesus Christ, that we may embrace the fellowship of suffering with Christ for this future greater glory another verse that we would look at is 
Uh, and another uh, point to be made there is that, um, let's see, should be another verse there uh, from Revelation 22, 1 through 6. I don't know if we I missed that, uh, but it should go before this point, Lori. <clears throat> then he showed me the river of the water of life. You can look at it in your Bibles there, which, which I would recommend. Uh, clear as crystal coming from the throne of life, bearing 12 kinds of fruit. This is the new heavens and the new earth. Yielding its fruit every month in the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And there will no longer be any curse, and the throne of God and the Lamb will be in it. Now this is interesting because notice that it says the throne of God and the Lamb will be in it. Now, uh, my understanding from Scripture is that the throne of the Lamb is the throne of David. It's what was promised in the Davidic covenant. In Jerusalem, where his son would, would reign on the throne, and the Scripture says, and he'll reign forever. So David didn't understand all of those things, I'm quite certain, but but he knew what God said, and we're looking at it here. So the, the front throne of the Lamb <clears throat> would be the throne of David over earth. But the throne of God is that which is in the third heaven. It's in a different place. Uh, but here in the new heavens and the new earth, the throne of God and the throne of the Lamb are together. And when we look at 1 Corinthians chapter uh, uh, 13, and it talks about... Uh, Christ uh, taking dominion over the earth and at the end returning that to the Father. <clears throat> I think we're looking at that passage and the things that will happen there. <clears throat> but again, <clears throat> I would like for, for you, and I pass it on to you as God's people, to, to look at these verses and make some of these comparisons and think through these things in regard to what this future glory is all about and some of the details of it because it's pretty exciting and it, uh, it is something that we can, can really come to recognize uh, that the future uh, glory is, is much greater than the present necessary trials and distresses that we may suffer as God's people. So... But it says that, um, and uh, God himself will be, let's see, there will no longer, I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God and made ready as a bride adorned, oh, I'm reading the wrong passage there, huh? I'm sorry, on either side of the river, let's see, the, and the, the throne of God and the throne of the Lamb will be in it, and his bondservants will serve him, and they will set his face, and his name will be on their foreheads, and there will no longer be any night. Now, that's different. So in the millennial kingdom, there's going to be day and night, right? And that's what Genesis uh, chapter 8, 33 said, that until, until earth passes away, there will be sun and moon, there will be seasons, there will be seed time and harvest, uh, and all of these things. <coughs> but here, there's no longer any night. Well, what does that mean? What does it mean that there's no longer any night? Well, um, this eternal life's going to be different, right? So if there's, there's no night, there's probably not any sleep. So 
but that brings us back to what we talked about last week, this second law of thermodynamics, the, the, the law of entropy that, that energy disperses, that, that we eat breakfast in the morning, we get energy, and we go about, about our, our business, we go about our day on that energy. We, uh, we, we take the bread of Christ spiritually and that's there's there's that energy that's that's given to us and we do it on a regular basis because it it teaches us that the this law of entropy is in effect but it's gone it's gone according to this passage um and it seems to me that we're we're looking at uh something in regard to eternal life that's that's way beyond uh, anything that we could dream up. I mean, it, this is something that God has told us and that we can be, rest assured that it, it's going to be truth. There will no longer be any night and they will not have need of light. Well, that's different because we have the, the planetal orbits, the sun and the moon and the, the stars and and we've got day, darkness and light. We've got day and night. But there's no longer any night. Well, that's that's different. It's it's going to be something uh, beyond uh, what we may be able to really comprehend in fullness here. But we we know that the word is faithful and true, so these things must be true. Uh, and they will not have any need of light or of a lamp, nor of the light of the sun. Why? Because the Lord God will illumine them. In his presence, the presence of our Lord God, the glory of our, our, our Lord God is all day. It's all light. And we will live in the light of the Lord our God. And he will illumine uh, everything. He is our light. They will reign forever and ever. And he said to them, what did he say? These words are faithful and true. Bank on it. You can count on what Christ is saying here in regard to the new heavens and the new earth, that these are the things that we have to look forward to. And the Lord God, the God of the spirits and the prophets, sent his angel to show to his bondservants the things which must soon take place. Okay, so in light of eternity, it's going to be soon. In light of our trials and tribulations, it may seem long, and it may seem hard, but the eternal life that is given in Christ Jesus is glorious. Now, a couple of things here. Uh, the new heavens and the new earth, the throne of God is present as well as the eternal Davidic throne. The natural laws are eternal. <clears throat> there's, there's not the, the old natural laws are, are dis, misplaced in the new heavens and the new earth. There's no light from the sun. The Lord's glory illumines. And there's, there's no night. There's no night at all. So um, these wonderful truths are, uh, are given to us. Um, and with that, we come to um, our passage this morning. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but isn't it glorious? I mean, don't, don't you want to spend that extra time there to, to think about these things and to, and, to, and to pay tribute to God's Word? Sometimes 
uh, as we creep through this verse-by-verse verse thing, uh, we just need some, some time to, to, to chew the cud, to ruminate uh, on the, the glories of, of that, that meat, that truth that God has given to us. And we need to think about this future glory, and, and we don't need to, to rush through and, and think about what our path to this glory is and what it's about and what is the association with this fellowship of sufferings that we have in Jesus Christ? We need to look at it. We need to think about it. And we need to, uh, to live our life in light of that truth and in, in light of, of what uh, God has given to us. So um, I'm going to pick up later. Okay, Lori's giving me the nod there. So <laughs> I'm going to... Uh, I, I know that we uh, we need to uh, to not uh, take on this this passage, and and I wouldn't want to rush it, and you wouldn't want me to either. So, um, but I do want to read the next verse uh, because it kind of pulls things together in regard to what we're talking about and what we looked at here in verse 23. It says, and not only this, but also we ourselves, having the first fruits of the Spirit. Even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our body. And it's this redemption from mankind from sin uh, that will usher in uh, this, uh, the, the relief from the consequences, from the curse of sin that has fallen on planet Earth. And uh, it will be glorious. And God's word says it, so we may believe it, and we, we may act in accordance with the truth that we know about what God has declared in his word. That for you, brothers and sisters, there's a path to glory that God has set out before you. And it's significant that we embrace God's word and his truth, and that we... Um, that we take on the, the admonition of Scripture, be not conformed to this world. Take the heat. Take the, the persecution. Take the suffering for righteousness' sake. Uh, know that the Scripture um, does not in any way, and there's nothing in Scripture or in the testimony of the martyrs that have gone before us and those that have been persecuted before us that is said that we should bring persecution on ourselves, that we should look for it. But when it comes, we should acknowledge it's by the hand of our sovereign God, and we should recognize uh, it for what it is and embrace it as our Lord Jesus did because of the plan and the will of our Father, which is perfect in all that he's doing, it is glorious in what it will accomplish and what God will do through it, even though the testing of our faith, the proving of our faith, does not tell us because uh, um, that which is seen is not hope, but that which is unseen is hope. And that unseen hope is really a significant thing that we have in the Lord our God uh, because... Um, against hope we believe in hope against natural principles against laws in this, of this world against the natural law of planet earth against so many things 
we take God's word as truth over what we see by experience and reality and by natural law and by the things, the temporal things that are passing in this world because it's the spiritual reality and truth of God's word that is true. It is faithful and it is true and we can bank on it and we can suffer through any tribulation to that greater future glory. Father in heaven, just as we have come to understand that our good works cannot save us from the wages of our sins uh, and our self-righteousness cannot win the battle against sin and death that resides and reigns in our mortal bodies, we also know that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God and the perishable does not inherit the imperishable but we embrace the mysteries of your spoken word that you have given to us. We hope in that which you have promised in your word uh, because we know that you are faithful and you are true and your word is faithful and it, it is true. And Lord, we look forward to that glorious day when the sons of men, when we ourselves will uh, be co-heirs with Jesus Christ and in fulfillment of the plan of your redemption our bodies will be changed they'll be transformed and this body of sin and death will no longer be challenged that uh, the earth will be transformed the curse will be removed and wonderful and glorious things as given by the word of God as given by the word of our Lord Jesus Christ will unfold Give us faith, Lord, that we may trust in you, that we may in an unseen way against hope believe in hope, and that we may glorify and honor your name, that not being conformed to this world, that we will prove your good and acceptable and perfect will. And, Lord, we uh, ask your blessings as we go. Uh, Lord, we pray for next week. We pray for the... Uh, celebration of the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. May we understand the full victory that was won by our Lord Jesus, the, the fullness of the work that he did in regard to this future glory that we have. And Lord, I pray that you would prepare our hearts all through the week to pray and ask your blessing upon our services next week. And may we honor the Lord Jesus as we gather together and celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior. And Lord, I pray, I do pray for, for this bill that has come up in our state uh, legislature that, uh, Lord, there's, there's so much of, of this wicked battle that is taking place in our country. And, and Lord, there's been so much shed blood. The sanctity of life has been violated and horrible things uh, have been done. Uh, in Roe versus Wade. And God, we pray for the just the overthrow of this horrible and vicious and, uh, and evil and wicked uh, law that has been uh, uh, enacted in our country and that, uh, that there might be repentance as well as as the enacting of this law in our state legislature, give them strength. And Lord, help uh, our people to be there to, uh, to encourage them uh, to do what is right and what is right before you. And help us to stand, Lord God, as your people 
against uh, these atrocities and these things that we might be the salt and the light that you've called us to be. And we pray and lift these things to you in the name of Jesus and for his glory. Amen.